All right, let's see if this works now. Okay, so um, giving this a try. <laughs> I think I've got it all figured out. We'll see if anyone joins up, then I'll know it's figured out. If no one does, then I'll know it is not. But hopefully people can find it and join up. Um, the problem I've been having is I've tried this a couple times and um, no one can find it. So I'm not sure how to, how to make it so people can find it easily. I could set up an event and I might do that next. I tried that though. And, um, oh, hey, we got someone here. Hey, aquatic hobbyist, how are you? Glad you're here. Welcome, welcome. Um, so this is uh, my second live stream ever. Oh, good, 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 good. Hey, Quartz. Hey, we got it working. This is great. I've tried this a few times, and uh, I think I forgot to update my... It generates a key, and I think I forgot to update the key. Didn't realize how to do that, but it's working. It's working now, so thanks, guys. So here's what I wanted to do today. Um, is I've got... So to celebrate a 1,000 subscribers... Yeah, I know. All right. You can like see me and hear me. <laughs> We're getting it. And we've even got like a fancy sheet hung back there. Like, come on. Studio quality. <laughs> All right. We're, we're getting it coming along gradually, though. So welcome. Wow. Glad you're here. So I've got um, so I, I crossed a milestone for me. I've been cranking out videos pretty hard for a while. It's been a grind, but I got over a thousand subscribers finally. So thanks everyone that subscribed. And if you haven't, you know, you could do that. Um, and so I, I've been thinking about what to do to celebrate that and to thank people. And I came up with a really cool idea. And so it's what I'm doing today is just, uh, I want to have a live stream so I can make sure that I know how to do it so that when because part of what I want to do is like draw the winners live. I'm going to have this contest and do a, a big giveaway. And um, I, I don't want to tell you all the details yet, but I'm still getting it together. But I want to do this big giveaway. And so I would hate to like do all the work and do all the announcements and then go to do the live giveaway and then have it like, you know, not work. So, so that's one of the things I'm doing today. So, um, so thanks for being here so I can test it out. I have a question. What, how's it look on your guys' side? Is it, is it super grainy? Is the, is the quality okay? Um, what's, it, what's it like from your end? Hopefully it's okay. Um, hopefully it's not just like this balding, shiny globe. Um, you can see some features. So if someone would chime in and just let me know if on your end... If it's all right, that would be great. So um, I can answer any fish questions as well, by the way, or any questions about dancefish.com or any of that um, while we're here. So if you have any questions about that, just feel free to, to fire them out. Need a different canvas. Yeah. <laughs> Aquatic hobbyist, what do you mean by, oh, good. I'm glad to hear it's, it's good. Um, what do you mean by need a different canvas? Are you talking about the, the cheap sheet in the back? Like, <laughs> so that's just the fish room back there. Um, 
I'm not trying to hide anything, but the reason I put that up there and I'm eventually going to get like this fancy banner printed with like the Dan's fish logo on it, or, or maybe a, I don't know, maybe I'll copy Bob Steen font and do a green screen thing. I'm not sure. But, um, but what I'm doing is if you see back here, I'll just lift it up. Is this just like, this is, this is like my, um, compressed air for shipping. And this is a nasty old tank that I need to clean. And this is just an old coal furnace chimney. And so it's just, it just looks kind of junky. So that's why I put the sheet up. Although you can st still see through it a little bit, right? So it's, it's like a scrim. I need some dramatic lighting on it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a big... <laughs> All right, wow, I'm reading your comment. Looks good, but you can adjust the center of your face about nine inches up and you look straight at us eye to eye. Make a mark six inches up to focus at. So like here, is this what you're, here you need me, you want me like here? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, his name's Michael. Okay, great, thanks Lau, that's a good tip. So his name's, I'm a sloucher, so you're gonna have to remind me loud because as we go, I'm gonna be like, uh, you know, I'm just a sloucher, I have horrible posture. My mom always complained about it growing up, telling me I needed to sit up straight, but I never did. So Gene, yeah, that's Michael. Um, and <laughs> he loves it down here. And so I, I think it's a real healthy thing for a, a fish, to, a kid to be able to hang out with fish instead of TV or computer all day. So I encourage it. So anytime he wants to come down, I'm good with it. And he helped build the stands and stuff. He was a huge, huge help. Aquatic, the bed of fry are doing well. Um, oh, wait, here we go, Lau. Is that better? Um, the the bed of rubra, I've still got them all. They're eating baby brine shrimp and uh, they're they're doing great. It's just a time game now, keeping the water clean and feeding them a lot um, so they can grow up. But they're doing awesome. The Betachinoides, um, the male did not carry those to term. So I don't know why. It was his first time. So it could be anything. Um, I did move him too. I, I caught him out of the 75-gallon tank that he spawned in. And I put him in a little five-and-a-half-gallon uh, brooding tank. Um he might not have liked that, but I kind of had to, because if I left him in the big tank, then when he spit his fry, the other fish would have just eaten the fry. So, so that didn't work out. The Betarubra actually spawned in the little tank, and then I just caught the female and took her out. So, um, so he didn't go through that tank change. So that might be the difference. Although I've bred a lot of Chinoides in the past, and I've moved them from tank to tank, and they've, I even moved homes. I, I took holding males and I moved from Los Angeles to Santa Barbara and he was in the bag for a couple days and he still held the term. He was like a, <laughs> he was an awesome father, but I'm going to try again and uh, hopefully I'll get some chinoides to term, but the Ruber are doing great. Oh, sorry, Lau. Here we go. Back up. I got to think like, I got to think like I'm living back in Downton Abbey times, right? And got to sit up straight and Hold my fork just so and all that. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the bettas are awesome. It's going to be a few weeks and then I'll do an update on them. Um, I need to do an update on the rainbow fish fry too. They're getting big. They're about uh, half an inch or so now. And um, some of the uh, flagfish babies are starting to get their color. They're 
just over half an inch or so. Uh, and they're, well, maybe just under an inch. And they're starting to get their color, so that's awesome. Hey, Morgan. <laughs> Glad you're here. Oh, yeah, you got to go play with your family. That's understandable. But um, thanks for coming, man. <laughs> Did you see my comment to your comment? <laughs> it's Morgan, guys. It's not Megan. It's Morgan, right? All right, cool. So, um, yeah, does anyone have, if you have any questions or anything, you know, feel free to chime in. We've got eight here. Not bad for first, like, you know, actual live one. You've been driving? Okay, well, check it out when you get there. Um, I, I hope it doesn't offend you. I was just joking. Um, yeah, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, one thing that I do want to get into a little bit is that um, I know quite a bit about killifish. I've raised a lot of them. I've been raising them since, like, I think I was in seventh grade when I got my first killifish. And... I think that's something that there's not a lot of YouTubers that have much experience with them. So if anyone has any, no way. Hey, aquatic. That is my first uh, super chat ever, ever. Thank you. So aquatic says, glad the fish room is done and running like a champ and you didn't need to go fund me. Oh yeah. Okay. So let me talk about that a little. So, like, I appreciate that, that people do GoFundMes. Like, it's crowdsourcing is, you know, what we do these days in a lot of ways. Um, and it's great. But I feel like you have to put in the work. So, I'm just getting into YouTube. I'm just creating content for you. Hey, Taicho. Welcome from the Netherlands. Glad you're here. And, um... So I didn't do a GoFundMe or any of that because I didn't feel like I had given anything yet. Um, I had done a couple videos, but mostly just so that I could post them on Aquabid when I was selling fish and things. So GoFundMes are awesome, but I feel like you have to earn it. Um, like Joey, when uh, he did his GoFundMe, King of DIY, I was happy for him. Um, he, had, he had done a ton of work for a lot of years given lots of information, helped a lot of people. So when he put up his GoFundMe and he needed help, it was like, okay, great. I, you know, that's, that's fine. But I see some other folks sometimes throwing up a GoFundMe and I'm like, well, what have you done to help the hobby? Like, what are you doing? And what have you done is, is what you've done worth, you know, 20 grand <laughs> or not. Um, so I, there are people that if they put up a GoFundMe, I would help them anytime um, because, because they've put out a lot and helped, but I just hadn't yet. So I didn't, I thought about it for about 30 seconds. And then I was like, you know what? No, some, oh, sorry, Lau. Here we go. There you go. Um, but I didn't do it because uh, I just felt like I hadn't produced content yet. I needed the fish room so I could have the fish room from which to produce content. So that's, uh, that's why I didn't do a GoFundMe. And yeah, I got it up and going. Um, I am going to do a video breaking down all the costs. It was expensive. And I want to do that because when I went to build my fish room, I 
looked a lot and there wasn't a lot of information out there on how much this was going to cost me. So, you know, I, I mean, I, I gathered and crunched numbers and all that trying to figure it out. And I did an okay job figuring out how much it would cost. But it would have been really nice going into it if someone had said, here's my fish room, here's how much uh, the furnace costs, here here's how much it costs to make an epoxy floor, um, here's how much it costs for this pump, here's how much plumbing will cost you, here's how much a tankless water heater, here's how much, you know, sponge filters, all these things. And it just wasn't out there. And I understand why. It's kind of a personal thing, right? It's, it's pretty personal to say, hey, I spent this much money on my fish room. Uh, you know, it's, it's personal financial information. So I understand why people wouldn't want to do it. Um, and I've been going back and forth on it. Like, should I do it? Should I not? Um, and I've just decided that, that, yeah, I think it's valuable information. I could have used it, so I'm sure there's other people that can use it. So that video is coming out. It's a lot of prep, though. There are a million receipts. I mean, I was building for almost a year to get this fish room done, and uh, there's so many receipts. So I'm going to do my best to gather all that data. I know what the grand total was, and I'll, I'll save that reveal for that video, but I hope that information is going to be useful. So anyway, Aquatic, thanks again. My first super chat ever. Um, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, all right. So, wow. Bought 60 eggs from Vietnam and only one survived because the weather is too cold here in Canada. I will try again in the spring. Yeah, Lau, I've done that too. I tried that with several uh, Nothobronchia species, which for you that don't know what Nothobronchias are, um, take a moment to, to Google Notho, N-O-T-H-O. Um, they're beautiful, beautiful killifish from Africa, and they're like fire in the water. I mean, they are gems. They're, they're more beautiful than a lot of marine fish, than saltwater. But Lau, I did that too several years ago, and I did it in the summer, and I had, I, I'm not sure what happened. Um, the eggs came, they were fully eyed up, and I put them into hatch, and not many hashed and the ones that did had pretty crooked spines. So, and, and became belly sliders and didn't make it. My hunch is that they, my hunch is that a lot of those sellers wait until they're eyed up to sell them because then they know they're developing and the buyer can actually see that and everything. But the problem with that is I think sometimes they wait too long. And so when the fish come, they've been in the egg so long that when you go to hatch them, maybe their spines are bent or something. I'm not sure. It was also kind of hot. I mean, it was summertime and I was in Los Angeles at the time, which is warm in the summer. And um, yeah, I'm not sure, but I tried that on a couple species a couple times, ordering uh, eggs from Aquabid, um, uh, most of them from Asia. And I, I didn't have any luck that way either. So I hope if you try it again, I hope you have better luck. Um, there's a lot of, I, I'm assuming Gene, I'm assuming, or, um, wow, I'm assuming that you're in the United States. Um, or even if you're not, if you can find a local fish club, um, then you'll find people that have fish and are just like, here, try it, you know, or, or anything. Killifish people I've found are some of the most generous, 
nice people out there. They just, they're thrilled that you're interested in killifish because it's all they care about. And so they're like, how can I help you be more interested? What can I do to, to like, to sink this hook in you so you never leave killifish? But yeah, I had that experience too, Lau. Um, Gene, are you going to be selling killie eggs? I joined the AKA, but I've never actually kept killies. Um, they are not readily available in my area, and I'd love to try a couple pairs of a small species. Hey, Rich, welcome. Um, so, Gene, well, yeah, Gene, could you reply and tell me where you are? Because I might know some people in your area. Um, it, well, I assume if you joined the AKA, you got the, the membership roster, so you know if there's any people in your area. Um, I might, I might sell some eggs. I tend on the killifish. I tended to, to sell the fish, uh, not the eggs so much. And the reason is, is when I ship this bag of peat moss with eggs in it, then often what happens is it's about the customer experience. What happens is they're very hard to find in the peat moss, right? They kind of blend in and the customer experience is you get this bag of dirt, you know, it's peat moss and you don't see any eggs in it. So you automatically think that I have, uh, gypped you, right? I just sent you a bag of, of dirt, basically of peat moss. And people get really upset about that when it's not true. I always, when I was selling eggs, I always send a, a lot of extras. Um, well, I didn't ever really sell eggs. I just sent them to friends, but I don't want people to have the experience. Here's what I'm afraid of. So I know a lot of people that have done this and this is, and that's been their experience. And I don't want that customer experience. I, for them to get this bag of peat moss and then be disappointed, not be able to find the eggs, think I gypped them or go to wet the eggs and, um, not have a good experience. So when I, when I do eggs, I'm usually sending them for free as a gift to a friend because then if it doesn't happen, it's like, oh, well, big deal. Like it didn't cost them anything, but, um, I'll, I'll be selling more fish than eggs though for that reason. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully you can find some in your area, um, that has some, and it can be successful. I mean, I've, I've bought a lot of eggs and hatched them. Um, and it's been fine. I'm just worried as a business about a customer being disappointed and then they give bad feedback and then it only takes a few of those and your reputation shot. So that's what I'm worried about. Um, World Pets TV just arrived. Love the progress. Hey, thanks. Me too. You can like see me and hear me, right? So we're halfway there. I even got like this, this fancy little logo thing in the, in the corner. Oh, it's in both corners. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have done that. I was all excited that it happened. Olympia, Washington. Oh, okay, Gene. Um, yeah, there's some of the biggest Notho people in the world um, that live up there in Washington. Well, I don't know Washington well, so I'm just thinking Washington, the state, but Barry Cooper lives up there. He's either in Washington or in Portland, and he's a world authority on Nothobronchius. He raises lots of species and he distributes a lot of eggs. So I haven't talked to Gary, uh, to Barry, B-A-R-R-Y, Cooper, um, for several years, because I moved and, you know, went through grad school and all that. Um, 
so I assume he's still around and I assume he's still doing it. He used to be the chairman of the American Killifish Association. So, um, yeah, Barry Cooper, good guy to get a hold of. And then you're up close to Canada. Um, Brian Perkins is, uh, is I believe, up there. Um, anyway, I can do some digging and after this I can send you some information, some folks up there you could, you could see. Um, so we'll do that. So let's see, where are we at? Just for fun. Hey, Just, how you doing? Uh, hey, Dan, just chiming in. This is the guy. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got the shins pretty close. Good. So, so just, just for fun. I call him just when I reply for, to his, to the comments, just for fun family. Um, he's got a situation. He's got a 125 gallon tank that he got from Petco or PetSmart. I can't remember which of the big box stores and it's not sitting level on the stand. And so We've been going back and forth trying to figure out what's the best way to deal with that. If anyone has any suggestions um, for just just for fun family, then yeah, put them down there. Uh, maybe we can help them out. I've always just shimmed the stand. Um, well, no, that's not true. There's been times when I put the shim on top of the stand between the tank edge and the stand. If, if there were three corners that were uh, flush and then one was off a bit, I would sometimes I would shim just the tank between the stand and the tank, but it's not the ideal thing. 125 gallons is a lot of water if it leaks, but, but you said, uh, you said just that it's in your basement. So if you're in a place where if it, if it leaked or completely busted, it wouldn't really be the end of the world for you, you know, but anyway, I hope it goes well. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah, man. <laughs> Big time. Because if it fails, it could just leak a trickle and no big deal. You see that coming, you, you make adjustments, but if like a panel pops off, Oh, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. Aquatic hobbyist. All right. I gathered some great species locally out of drainage ditches and small streams. Oh, that's awesome. Aquatic. Where are you from? Um, I don't think I already know that it's is it Florida it is if you're out there just catching killifish is that florida um yeah what kind of species can you get i'm curious wow nothing too disappointed about i take it as learning curve and can always improve from there yeah yeah no that's true uh experience is the mother of all learning right next to the other quote you always hear which is repetition is the mother of all learning um <clears throat> i prefer experience because hopefully we're not repeating exactly the same thing because we'll just get the same result but yeah, um, there's there's plenty of killifish eggs for sale for sure. And I'm not saying don't do it. I've bought a lot of fish and had a, a lot of eggs I met and I mean, and uh, hatched a lot of species and got a lot of species I couldn't otherwise get that way. That's the neat thing about killifish. Um, and this is true of rainbow fish too, and a few other kinds, rice fish, for example. Um, you can actually ship the eggs and since they're small, and um, don't eat food and all that. Uh, there, a lot of killifish have spread over the world to different hobbyists because because we can ship eggs. So yeah, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying, as a guy that owns a business, I don't want to sell eggs to someone because I'm afraid of the customer having a bad experience or thinking they have <laughs> that I cheated them. Basically, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Gene, look them up. 
Um, oh, hey, Nick. So just for fun family, your name's Nick? Good, good to know. Um, most of the time, the prefabricated stands have a little wiggle room when you add water. It will level out. Okay. Yeah, so try it slowly. And hopefully that rubber mat will, um, you know, absorb any real issue that you might have there, aquatic. Yeah. So, Matt. Hey, Matt. Do you still have tanks of your own? Or are they all for business? Um, so, Matt. Both. <laughs> They're kind of one and the same for me. So here's what it is. Um, I'm not trying to breed enough fish to sell to keep my business afloat because I can't compete with the big Florida fish farms or, you know, the, the, the farms in, in Southeast Asia. Um, you know, I live in Wyoming. I have to pay for my heat. If they don't in Florida very much or Southeast Asia, I don't have free water you know, all these, all these things. So I can't, I can't really breed fish to make a living. So I do, um, buy fish and I medicate them very carefully. Um, I spend at least two weeks with them before I resell them. Often it's a month before I'll resell them. I want to make sure that they're completely quarantined, that, that nothing is popping up and that they're used to aquarium life and eating aquarium foods and all that. So so I do mostly that. And then I have tanks that I set up on one side of the facility, which is pretty much for breeding. So there's 15, 30 gallon breeders there and a whole bunch, I think 30, I don't have 30 set up yet, but the capacity is 35 and a half gallon tanks. And then something I'm gonna set up is a bunch of little plastic containers with automatic flow for the fry. So basically what I do is um, I buy fish and I sell fish, but I'll take a lot of the fish that I buy and I'll breed them. And I do that because I'm a breeder at heart. That's what really is hooked to me is the different spawning behaviors, the different reproduction, um, strategies the fish have, you know, mouth brooders, egg scatterers, bubble nesters, um, rice fish, which keep them in a cluster, um, you know, right by their anal fin. Um, all these things are just fascinating to me. And so, so I have a question. The furnace to the fish room just kicked on. Will you tell me if it's super loud or is it still okay on your end? I don't want to turn off the furnace because I'm afraid I might forget to turn it back on. But if it's super loud for you guys, then, then I will. I'm doing it loud. I'm looking down again. Okay, here we go. There we go. So, so part of the business, see the business and the personal are kind of intertwined. So breeding those fish, what I can do is then I can show everybody how to care for them, how to breed them. And so if someone's interested in a fish, they can buy it and they can breed it. So the whole thing is a hobby for me and the whole thing's a business for me. Um, Part of it's just getting the fish, shaping them up and reselling them, but, but part of it's also trying to get you guys as much information as I can. So I want you to know how to spawn the fish I sell. Because if you're a breeder, then you can get them either from me or someone else, but then you you can get them and be like, hey, this is, this is give, it a, give it a try. So, um, 
so yeah, it's all business and it's all hobby. But to really answer your question, there's about just shy of 40 75 gallon tanks in this facility. I think there's 35, 34 of them, 36, something like that. A few of them aren't set up yet. Um, and that's pretty much for buying fish, getting them all quarantined and in good shape, and then uh, and then selling them. And then I have the rack of 30 gallon breeders, the five and a half gallons, all that for, for spawning, which is kind of my fun time. So hope that answered the question. Um, so Aquatic, you are in South Carolina. Oh yeah, you have some awesome fish out there, man. So um, yeah, that's great. Yeah, darters are awesome. Um, I used to, I, the, the one that I really love is the orange throat darter because uh, it's a lot like a rainbow darter, but, but it's super easy to keep, super hardy and uh, really fun. Yeah, South Carolina, man, that would be fun to go collecting out there. Um, are there any specific kinds that you catch out there that you've kept for a long time? Like, what are some of your favorite natives there? And do you maintain any now? Um, I love native fish, man. All right, Seymour. Hey, Matt. Um, seems like female dwarf neon rainbows are hard to come by. Well, I've got a, I'm a swore, I've got a, a buttload of them. Um, they always want to sell just the males, nowhere to get. Yeah, I've got a ton, man. Um, if if you go to dancefish.com, um, just leave me a note what sex you want. Um, I've got them spawning right now in one of the 75s. And they're little, they're like an inch. That fish gets three inches or so, and they're already spawning. Um, uh, I've got plenty of females, so I can get you a nice group. Um, besides that, well, any hobbyist uh, would have them, I would think, because, you know, most hobbyists dabble in breeding, too, to some extent. Um, yeah, I don't know. if, But you're right. Um, oftentimes, stores and things will prefer to get the males because they're more colorful. They have that nice red and orange on the fin margins. So, um, so yeah, if you're looking for females, I have them. I'm sure other people have them too, but I mean, you could check on Aquabid. Sometimes people sell breeding groups on Aquabid, so that might be a solution for you too. Yeah. Um, oh, there's some Rainbow Fish Keeper um, Facebook sites that I'm a member of, and so maybe getting into a group like that and then asking. Uh, you know, some people don't want to get fish shipped. Some people want to find local, and I think the you know Facebook's such a powerful tool for that you can find groups and then say hey anyone here from i don't know pittsburgh <laughs> if that's where you're from and maybe there's someone there and you can just drive over and get them or whatever so um yeah those are my suggestions like craigslist maybe aquabit's pretty powerful though uh, there's a lot of sellers on aquabit so yeah but yeah seymour i've got a ton so if you want females i, I got them for you um yeah matt breeding's what hooked me um, I love watching the fish, but you get the babies and it's like a whole new world. Yeah. Um, good. Thanks, Seymour. I'm glad to hear that because I did, there's been twice now where I uh, shot video down here 
and forgot to turn the furnace back on. Luckily, I got, you know, one was overnight. The furnace was left off the entire night, but it's so well insulated in here and there's so much water um, that when I came down, usually it's 77 degrees or so. When I came down in the morning, it was like 72. In the air, the tanks were still pretty warm. So nothing happened, but that scared me. Um, That really scared me. So from then on, I've just been keeping the the furnace on while I do videos. Um, And so I'm glad it's working so I don't have to turn it off in the live stream. Wow, it wouldn't let your message through. So I don't know what you said and I don't, let's see here. (laughs) Put user in timeout, no. No, I don't know how to see your message. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, I'm sure what you said was just fine. Were you telling me to sit up straight? Am I sitting up straight, Lau? How's that? All right, cool. Um, all right, so aquatic hobbies. Okay, cool. Good to know. Thanks. Sounds like a fan, but it's not disruptive. Okay, cool. Good, good. Um, aquatic hobbies. My personal favorite that I collect is the least killy. Smallest light bearer. So that's that's Hetriander formosa, right? The and the males are like half an inch, if that is that. And the females are big. Is that the one? Yeah, those are cool. That little light bearer, yeah. Um, Matt Callie, do live bears interest you? It seems like wild sore tails are hard to come by. Only ones available are the colorful Hellerai species that have been modified by breeding for color. All right. So Matt, um, I'm gonna see if I can post a link here to. A, uh, select aquatics. Just give me a sec. Um, Greg Sage uh, used to be the chairman of the American Library Association. He lives in Denver um, and he's been doing this for a long time. Sorry, my nose is really itchy. It's like, I'm just going to do this. Ah, okay, good. Maybe that took care of it. All right. Um, he has, hang on, for wild sore tails. So Matt, sending you the link to select aquatics here in the chat. Um, Oh, it didn't really link, did it? Maybe it did. Um, But anyway, Greg Sage has lots of different wild type sword tails. He has uh, the Maiai, he has, I think he has Alvarezai. Um, He has the Montezuma. Um, So they're out there. And again, this is a situation where um, joining an organization an organization. <laughs> it only has one Z in it, right? It's not organization. Um, could be really helpful. Um, the American Library Association, you know, that's where the library geeks go. So if you're looking for wild type stuff, um, that might be a good resource for you. There's Facebook groups as well. Um, I'm a member of, on Facebook, of the International, what's the genus for sword tails? Like of something. Uh, study group or breeding group. I forget the exact name of the, the Facebook group, but they're out there. Um, yeah, I love live bears. So I have a few wild types right now. Um, I have Limia perugier, uh, which is, I, I believe the Haitian live bear might be the common name. I'm not really good with common names, uh, but it's a beautiful Limia. Um, and the, the bad part about them is I've shot videos of them and, and taken pictures and stuff. They're on my website. I have a breeding group for sale on my website. Um, 
but one of the main attractions to them is on their body, they have these blue um, scales sprinkled all over that are hugely iridescent. And the light just flares off them. When they hit the light right, it just flashes like a sun flare. Um, and it's because of that, they're really hard to photograph and video well. Um, it just kind of comes across as, as a brightness in the video. Um, so they kind of look like brown, bright brown fish in a video or um, in a photo. But in person, they're really beautiful. And they have kind of this lemon yellow tail with this black margin on the end. Um, their behavior is a lot like a sword tail. I, I would, if I had to describe what they're like, I would say like a wild type sword tail without a sword. Uh, the males might be a little chunkier. Uh, what else do I have? I have uh, Limia nigrofasciata. <laughs> I, I, I have to be careful. I always say that wrong. Nigrofasciatus, which basically means like black striped, I think. Um, but that's the humpback Limia. Um, so I've got a lot of those. Um, I think those are the only wild types I have at the moment. And I, I love them. Um, I also have some domestics. I have tequila sunrise guppies just because they're my favorite guppy and have been for forever. Uh, so bright, so easy, so happy. Um, and then I have a couple of Santa Maria endlers. Um, they're not doing real well, though, to be honest. I, they don't like my soft water. They're, they're not real happy. Um, the endlers, that is. That, that particular strain of endler. And then um, some koi swordtails some liar tail sword tails, which I didn't order. <laughs> I ordered uh, neon calico neon platies is what I ordered, but they sent me those instead. Um, and then some tricolor koi swords. So those are all the live bears I have, but yeah, I think they're fascinating. Um, if I had a cooler fish room, I would, I would geek out in some of the, like GR Nickthes um, and some of the goodyids and stuff. Yeah, I think they're really cool. They're basically they're basically like killifish. I mean, they're very closely related. Um, there's the live bearing tooth carps, which are your live bearers, and then the egg laying tooth carps, which are your killifish. In fact, okay, so you probably don't know this, but there are killifish that spawn like live bearers. There's a, a, an annual killifish from South America. It's called the fighting gaucho, and the genus starts with an M and I forget exactly what the scientific name is, but the fighting gaucho killifish and Campelibius, oh, maybe it's Campelibius. I can't remember, but anyway, fighting gaucho killifish and the male actually fertilizes the female internally. And then later on, she'll drop some eggs. So the live bearing strategy or the internal fertilization strategy um, between those live bears and killifish, it's they're they're really closely related. Yeah. I mean, they developed uh, separately, but, but yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I hope Matt that, um, that, that Greg, that link to select aquatics will help. And for the, um, hang on, let me scroll up. I have to find, um, and Jean from Olympia, Washington, after this uh, loads to YouTube, I'll lose all the chat. So after this loads to YouTube, would you place a comment just saying, hey, remember to hook me up with some killifish people in Washington and, and I'll do that for you afterwards. 
All right. Um, yeah. So Gene says, Greg Sage has been putting out some great videos lately. Yeah, he has. He's got on the YouTube train. I think I think Corey um, from Aquarium Co-op, I think Corey got him on it, um, which is good because Greg Sage, uh, he's a he's just a fountain of knowledge when it comes especially to live bearers, but some other fish as well. And um, he's been doing it a long time, and he's kept a lot of rare fish for a lot a lot of years and successfully uh, maintained them over many, many generations. And so, yeah, I, I love his stuff. Every time one of his videos come, comes out, I kind of drop what I'm doing and I watch it. Um, the Odessa Bar breeding series he did was fantastic. And uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys watched the unboxing video I did, but I unboxed this, this bag of Odessa Barbs because I love Odessa Barbs. And um, I was going, I was like, I got to tell everyone about Greg Sage's Odessa Barb. So I did. I was like, you know, go buy them from Greg Sage. I mean, you should buy mine too, because I have to sell them, but Greg Sage has the best. Um, he doesn't have any adults available right now, but he's got little ones that you can buy. But yeah, he's fantastic. Um, Zipphorus. Yeah, thank you. Wait, Zipphorus. Zipphorus. Zipphorus? Man, I don't know. Something like that. But yeah. Yeah. System deadlock. I'm glad that was funny. I don't know what was funny, but I'm glad it was. Um, what's your favorite fish in the room right now? Oh, gosh. Really? Uh, oh, wow. I'm doing it. Yeah. Um, I don't have one favorite. That's cheating. I know, I know that's, I know that's cheating. I don't have one favorite though. So let me tell you my favorites. Um, I really like um, the rhinogobius, the white cheek gobies. And uh, I like their behavior and stuff, but mainly they're one that I haven't successfully bred yet. I haven't raised any fry from them yet. So they're one I'm intrigued by because I want to breed them. So that's one. They're, they're so different and so neat. And I just haven't, um, I've had eggs from them, but I, I've never like taken the eggs out and raised the fry. So I'm excited for that challenge. So I like them. Um, actually, I do know what my favorite one is. I'll get to it. Um, so I'll tell you a couple others and then we'll land on my favorite. Uh, the wild type bettas are fantastic and I like them. It's such interesting breeding behavior. Um, Bettas just have cool personality, the Splendens and the wild types. They're just, they're just out, they're curious. Um, once they settle in, they're not scared. They're like, hey, are you gonna give me food? Like, what are you doing? And they're watching you and stuff. So I really like the, the Betta Ruber are pretty cool. Um, I like the Limia Perugier. I like them because uh, they're very active, they're very flashy, but they're not gaudy. Um, you know, they're not like a, a koi sword or something like that. They're, they're still a wild type, but they're really unique in just their iridescence. So I like them. Um, and, and they're giving me a ton of babies and that's cool. And the babies are big, man. When they're, when they're born, they're big and they're, um, they grow super fast. Um, so anything I get babies from, I get real excited about, um, 
the Wapoga red laser rainbows, um, I've probably got 200 babies growing up right now and they're fantastic. So hopefully I'll be able to, um, raise them all the way up to adults. They take forever. That's what I don't like about them, but raise them up all the way to adulthood and then, um, keep several of them and get a nice big breeding group going. Um, so I'm excited about that. But the one, truly the one I think that pops to my mind is, is the one that I most, um, my favorite right now is um, Aplochylus dei. Uh, it's a killifish. It's from Sri Lanka. It's endemic to Sri Lanka. Um, that's the little island off the tip of India. That's the only place it lives. And the reason I'm excited about them is when I was a kid, it's probably 15, 16 at the time, maybe 14, um, I saw them in a pet shop um, and I bought them and they were gorgeous. They're awesome. And I bought them and I tried to breed them and I, I bred them, um, but I didn't breed them in like large quantities. And every now and then since then, I've seen them. I saw them once actually. Every now, not every now and then, I've seen them once since then. That was like the mid nineties, early nineties. And I saw them in a wholesaler's tanks in Los Angeles. And I, I almost bought them, but they were kind of bloated. Um, they weren't doing real well. And once a fish starts to bloat, um, especially if the scales start to distend and things, or they're distended enough that the scales start to stick out and stuff. Um, it's, I've never brought a fish back from that. Let's just say that. Um, and so I did not get them. So I had them as a teenager for a little while. And then I've been looking for them ever since. And I found them and I got them and they're doing great. Um, so I haven't tried to spawn them yet. I'm taking it real slow with them. I have some spawning mops in there, but I haven't like removed them uh, to a, a tank dedicated to spawning or anything like that yet. Um, but I've got them. They're, they're doing great. They're eating flake food. They're eating pellets. They're eating frozen. They're eating fruit flies. They're, and they're not shy anymore. They've got to the point where they're out there. Like when I come to the tank, they're right at the front. Um, and so it's, it's just about time to set them up to breed. And if I can do that, I'm going to be super happy because I don't want to, I mean, I didn't have that fish for over 20 years and I was looking for it. <laughs> and so to finally have found it, um, is pretty exciting. So that's, that's gotta be the one. Yeah. Um, Matt, I know our, I know our, oh, <laughs> hang on. All right. I know RO water will wipe out plants, but will it hurt fish? especially one like Cardinal Tetras that love soft water. Do you have to add minerals, etc., back in the water? Okay. I've never used RO water. So I'm not the right person to answer that question. So what I'm about to tell you is just what I've heard from other people that have used our water. It's not direct experience. So I want to put that out there because anything that comes secondhand might not be the real deal. But most people that I know that use straight RO water uh, remineral, remineralize a bit, 
because they've had bad experience with RO water, or maybe not. Maybe they've just heard that it's bad, and so they automatically don't do it. I can't answer that question. I, I don't have any experience with it, um, with RO. I do know a lot of people use it. Um, I know what most people do is do that, add a small amount of their regular water to kind of remineralize or use like Seachem products and stuff to remineralize um, and go from there. But the honest truth is I've never done it. My credo is this. Um, I like to keep and breed fish that can do well in my water as it comes out of the tap. And the reason is, it's just so much easier. Um, it's so much less work. And if there's ever um, a mess up where the RO membrane is broken or where um, something happens and you're without the unit for a while or, or anything, then, then you don't have that risk. So I've, I've, I just keep fish that can do well in my water. And there's a lot that can, even in Los Angeles, um, where the water was super hard, I could breed a lot of soft water species. You just have to keep it super clean. So let me, I'll answer the rest of your question in a second, which is, okay, so, so no, I don't add minerals or anything in my water. Um, let me answer that part, then I'll go back to Los Angeles. Okay? Yeah. So I don't do that. I've thought about it because I do keep some live bears and I do keep some shrimp and it would be good for them and some snails, <laughs> things like that, that like harder water. But here's the problem. This is on an automatic uh, water change system. Um, so every night, at least 50% of the water is changed every night. So I can't be remineralizing the water because what would happen is I would like say in the morning, I go put in some minerals, great. The fish adjust to that great. Then at night, the water has changed. Suddenly, the minerals have been dissipated by at least 50%. Some, some tanks get more than 100% water change, like the breeding tanks and the fried tanks and stuff to keep those going, but uh, at least 50%. So now suddenly it's really dilute. So in the morning, I'd have to come back and remineralize again. And the fish would go on this yo-yo cycle where it's soft. And then, over, then I put in and it's hard and then the water changes and it's soft, then I put in minerals and it's hard. And that would be infinitely more stressful and detrimental to the fish um, than if I remineralized. So the water here is super soft. Um, I have no carbonate hardness reading at all. Uh, my total hardness is 25, which is super soft. And I don't even know what, what that is. It's just some form of hardness, but the carbonate hardness is like, it's not there. <laughs> it is, I mean, it's there, there's something there, but it doesn't register on the test kits. So it's really soft. Um, so the way I get away with that is I just keep the water super clean, um, chemically, chemically super clean. So I don't get a lot of organic waste building up so that I don't get tank crashes with, you know, with acidity building up or anything like that. Now in Los Angeles, let me get back there. The water in most of the country is pretty hard. And in Los Angeles, it's exceptionally hard. And um, I could keep and breed a lot of soft water species. 
and the trick there is also to keep it really clean because here's what happens with softwater species. Softwater species in general also come from acidic water. I'm just going to make that generalization. There's exceptions, I know that. But for the intent of what I'm about to say, most softwater species also come from extremely acidic water. And the reason is, is there's no buffer. If the water is soft, <clears throat> then anything that enters the water that has a pH less than 7.0 is going to acidify the water, right? So most soft water is very acidic. What happens in those acidic environments is um, the acid prevents a lot of bacteria. It's an antibacterial uh, agent, right? Acid. And so bacteria does not do well in a lot of acidic waters. So if you take a fish from an acidic soft water environment and put it in an environment with hard water, like in Los Angeles, where bacteria just thrive in those alkaline water conditions. They just thrive in it. In hard alkaline water, bacteria have no problem. You're taking a fish that hasn't been exposed to much bacteria and putting it in this, this aquarium that's full of bacteria. And that's where you can get a lot of issues with soft water fish and keeping them in hard water. But if you quarantine them when they come in and medicate them to help them get over their adjustment, and always keep the water very clean, then, then in my experience, they do just fine. So, um, oh, let's see, I got on tangents. Especially ones like Cardinal Tetris, you have to. Okay, yeah, so Matt, I think I over answered your question. <laughs> but, but that's the key. With soft water species, keep the water really clean, especially if you wanna breed, um, and you won't have the problems with the tanks crashing on you. Um, and turning acidic from carbonic acid and all that stuff because you keep the water clean. Um, and in hard water, you keep it clean and you have less problems with soft water species succumbing to bacterial infections. So, yeah. Oh, let's see. Let's see if I'm sitting up straight for Lao. There we go. So, um, DK fish hooks, aqua team racing. I got to know what that is. Like, what are you racing? Is this like mountain bikes? Is this drag racing? Do you like race goldfish? Like, like <laughs> what, what is that? Um, that sounds awesome. Do you breed any rummy nose in your fish room? If so, how do you achieve it? I don't, sorry, I can't answer that question. I've never bred rummy nose. I've never tried. Um, I've never personally actually kept rummy nose, although I like them a lot. Um, I've kept them at pet stores. I've worked at, I kept them at wholesalers I've worked at and things like that. But no, I've, I've never bred them, never even kept them. So I'm not the right person for that. I mean, I know they're an egg scatterer. I assume you condition the females um, if possible in soft water, add the males and, and go from there. I, I should say this, um, and what I was saying before, there are species that, that for some reason the eggs don't develop well or don't get fertilized sufficiently or something in hard water or maybe they don't produce gametes properly the fish if they're in hard water um, I've heard all these things um, so I'm not saying that if you take a, a soft water fish and put it in hard water it's going to breed automatically every time and not have as much trouble um, often what I've found is you can breed soft water fish in harder water 
you might not get a great hatch rate and you might not get the highest survival rate, but after you've done that for a few generations, they're usually, they're usually pretty, pretty good with it. So I want to clarify that. Um, yeah. So sorry, DK Fishhooks Aqua Team Racing. I want to know what that is. Tell us, tell us what that means. Aqua Fish Racing, Aqua Team Racing. Oh, swimming. Is it a swim team? Ski-doos? I don't know. Sailboats? Yachts? Um, so, um, yeah. Avery asks, will you ever keep discus again? Why or why not? Yeah. Yeah, I will. I love discus. Um, they're one of my favorite fish. Uh, and a lot of people know me from discus. Um, killifish are my first love, um, but a lot of people know me from discus. And yes, I will keep them again. Um, here's the issue. Here's why I don't have them now is I, I wanted to branch out into other fish and I knew that I needed to have one facility that I could keep everything in and I wanted the whole system automated. There's no way I would have time to make videos or um, do any of that if the system wasn't automated um, because then just keeping up with the website and the sales and keeping the fish happy and healthy and would take all my time. So I needed an automated system. And with how I have the room automated, the water um, that goes into the tanks is heated to 75 degrees and then goes in, into the aquariums at 75 degrees. So all the aquariums, when they get their automatic water changes, they're getting 75 degree water. Well, if I have an aquarium full of discus and I'm keeping them at 84, which is where I prefer to keep discus, then, um, then that's gonna be a problem because every time the water's changed, it knocks them down to 75. So that's almost a 10 degree shift pretty quickly. And uh, I'd have to put a heater in the tank. So every morning the heater would be working really hard to crank back up the temperature. They'd finally get back up to temperature and then the water would change again and knock the temperature down. So it's, it's really about just maintaining parameters. Um, you can tell when the fan's on because the curtain starts <laughs> shaking yeah. yeah, when the furnace kicks. So that's why I don't have them now. One day I will have a different facility. Okay, here's my dream facility, okay? It's a big warehouse. You walk in the warehouse and there's a nice office space. You go behind that and there is a room that is kept at 84 degrees and that has discus in it that has plecos in it, that has aphanius in it, that has um, rams in it, that's fish that need a high temperature. So the water in that room is kept warm and that's a big room. And then you go into another room and that's kept at 75 degrees. And that's for your typical uh, fish, your community fish, most of them that like it in the mid seventies. And then you go into another room and that's kept at 68 degrees. And that's for cold water killifish, that's for goodyids, that's for um, well, cold water fish, right? And then there's another room behind that where I can drop the temperature down to about 40 degrees. So in the uh, 68 degree room, I can keep native fish and other fish that need a temperature drop. And in the winter, I can put them in that back room where it stays cool 
And then in the spring, I can bring them back into the warmer room that gets to 68 degrees. And so I can breed darters and shiners and sunfish and, and all those fish that I like too. So, so that's the dream facility. Um, I don't know how practical that is, but, but that's the reason I don't keep discus is just in my automated system, it wouldn't work. Um, but yeah, I'll get back to it. Aqua hobbyist. I use pure RO in my tanks and it works great for me. And the soft water fish I keep, if you want to do it, make the transition slow. Okay, good. Thanks aquatic for uh, chiming in again. I've never done it. So good. How about other people? Do other people in the feed have experience with RO using pure RO? In aquatic, are there any species that didn't do well? I assume you're not using that for like, you know, live bears and African cichlids. Well, Rift Lake cichlids. Um, what species do you keep in that water? I'm just curious. Um, Gene. Yeah, water in Western Washington is just like you are super soft. Yeah. I know. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. Um, when I got my first fish room, I was 14 years old and I was on a well in California. So not only is California water hard, coming from a well, it's super hard. And every book you read back in the day talked about soft acidic water. Like that was it. Like you want to breed angels, breed angelfish, soft acidic water. You want to breed almost everything, soft acidic water. I mean, that's what all the literature said. And so I remember as a kid just hating my hard water because I thought it was keeping me from successfully keeping and breeding a lot of species. It wasn't, not as much as I thought it was, but if a species didn't work or the eggs weren't fertilized or something, after you read that much literature on it, on soft acidic water, it's like, well, man, I can't keep them, I can't keep or breed that species because it just doesn't work in my water, right? So I dreamed of having soft water. <laughs> now that I have it, I dream of having hard water <laughs> because you can keep soft water fish in hard water, but it's hard to transition hard water fish to soft water because of the osmotic pressure differences. Um, you can actually burst like the, the cells in their gills and stuff if you do it too quickly. So yeah, I have soft acidic water. I'm, now I finally have what I want and now I want what I had. <laughs> Life's funny. Um, Quartz, hey, welcome, Quartz. Hi, Dan, are you going to breed any plecotypes? Probably not. Um, I take that back. Maybe Claroplecos. Nothing that gets big. Here's the, I love Plecos. Um, I'll never forget when I saw my first gold nugget Pleco. That was a wholesaler in Sacramento, California. He had... It was an insane wholesaler. Like this guy had big wholesale tanks up off 14 feet off the ground. I mean, he, they start at floor level and he just had like six layers of massive tanks going up to the ceiling. It was insane. Um, but I saw a tank full of gold nugget plecos there. And man, those are mind blowing. Those are beautiful. I think because of that experience, that was the first time I'd seen anything except for a common pleco. And I think because of that experience, that's probably my favorite pleco. Um, but a lot of the L number plecos, a lot of the hype and citrus and things, they want warm water and they want a lot of flow in the water. Um, and 
with the type of fish room I have right now, I, I can't, I can't really satisfy their needs. Um, however, there, there's some species that, that like it cooler. There's some species like in Uruguay, they live in, in areas where there's ice over the top. Um, I know this, I have friends that went and collected in Uruguay, um, with Felipe, who unfortunately passed away recently, but they went and collected in Uruguay and there was ice over the top and they were collecting, um, Niagara Pinus killifish out of there. They were collecting all kinds of geophagus out of there. They were collecting all, all these Uruguayan species, which is pretty cool. So I might keep, uh, I might keep some bushy nose. I really like, I know they're not in vogue as much anymore, but I really like an albino bushy nose pleco. I think they're really cool. Um, so I might one day do a tank of those or claro plecos because they're nice and small, but I, the high temperatures they need, the flow they desire, and um, in the amount of poop they create, let's be honest, um, it makes it so I'm not just jumping into them. But I love plecos. And, and again, one day when I have a big enough facility that I can have it divided into um, different temperature ranges, then yeah, plecos will be one of the first fish, fish that I, I go for. Um, World Pets TV, did you get killifish yet? I have some, one of them, uh, when the stream uploads, go back and I guess watch it. I, I explain one of my, someone asked what's, what fish am I most excited about or do I like the most in my room right now? And it's a killifish, it's called Aplicailus dei. It's from Sri Lanka, it's beautiful. I've been looking for that fish for over 20 years. I finally found it and got it in, in good numbers. I got about a hundred of them uh, out of Sri Lanka and they're doing great. And um, yeah, so I have that one. I also have um, Aplicailus blockii, which is a small little killifish. It only gets about an inch. It's from uh, Southern India and Sri Lanka, and it's a surface dwelling fish. And most of the pictures you see, or when you see them in stores, they're just gonna look like a brown dart. But if you keep them in a tank where they're happy, um, the males color up into these gleaming gold fish and within that gold on the sides are all these tiny red dots. They're not like a really gaudy fish, like the Nothobronchius or the Fundalopanchax killifish species, but they're a really neat fish and you never see them. I was really lucky to be able to get some cool Aplicylus species, um, recently. The other one I have is just Jordanella floridiae. It's just the, the common American flagfish, great algae eater. Um, I think I put a video about those out recently on, on the YouTube channel. Um, if not, I, if I haven't released it yet, I think I did, but if I haven't, I can do that. Um, I have one all made ready to go, but I love them. They're beautiful. They're stunning. And my group right now, if I go pick the eggs, I'll pull easily 50 eggs out of the mop and they're big and they're easy to raise fry. Um, I've got a couple hundred fry growing out from those. So those are the only killifish, wait, am I forgetting one? Um, th those are the only ones that I have right now. Now I'm going to be getting a shipment from Nigeria, which is going to be uh, mostly killifish. And I'm excited about that. There's a bunch of lampi species that, that you never see that we're going to be able to get. Um, 
wild aphiosimian australi, which is awesome. Um, Abivitatum species, um, aphiosimian, or is it, I think it's aphiosimian calurum is, I think that's the genus it's still assigned to. Killifish names change a lot. Um, so I've got a big order of killifish coming, but I've got to sell out these fish first, so I have room in my aquariums. So, um, so I've got a few species now. I'm really excited about the Aplicylus dei, um, and I'm excited to get more. So yeah. What is your graduate degree in? So, my day job is um, I'm an I produce a theater festival. So I'm in show business. Um, I started out as an actor. Uh, moved into directing and from there moved on to production. So I produced the Wyoming Theater Festival and where we launch new plays. So like what Sundance Film Festival does for films, we do for theater. So um, we do new work and partner with uh, theater companies all from all over and launch their plays. And then I'm also an educator. Um, I'm a tenured member of the faculty at uh, Sheridan College here in Wyoming. So I teach theater and I produce theater. So, so that's what my degrees are in. Um, I started at Los Angeles Valley College. Uh, that's where I got my associate's degree. And then if you're from Southern California, I got uh, my bachelor's and my master's from Cal State Northridge, CSUN Gauchos. Um, and then, um, then I went to University of California at Santa Barbara uh, to study for my PhD. So that was the journey. Uh, and I'm... I, I never finished the dissertation, so I never got the PhD. <laughs> Just the idea of spending five more years, like I took all the courses, I took all the courses for my doctorate, but the idea of spending five more years writing a paper, I, I had to get out, I was done. Um, plus, I could be, so my last name's Hodnett, so I could be Dr. Hodnett, or I could be Master Hodnett. Master Hodnett sounds so much better. <laughs> no. um, so that's that's my education. Now, that being said, it's really funny um, because fish and just wildlife in general have always fascinated me. So even at UC Santa Barbara, I was consulting for a guy um, who did studies in killifish on parasitology. He was studying a brain parasite in the local fundalus killifish that live there in Santa Barbara. Um, they live like in the marshes right along the coast there. Um, and here at Sheridan College, I, I do lectures on fish. Uh, like I'll, I'll, I'll go into the, the science classrooms and I'll do a lecture on killifish. And then while, when I start the lecture, I say, okay, here's some modes of reproduction and I'll take some uh, killifish eggs and I'll show them the eggs and then I'll put them in water. And then we'll do the, the lecture and then halfway through the lecture, I'll stop it and I'll have them come and they'll, they'll watch them hatch. Like they're hatching right there in front of their eyes. And I just hope it makes them fall in love with fish. So, yeah. DKA fish hooks, aqua team racing, speedboats. Okay, that makes sense. I don't know why I was like, what is it, bicycles? Yeah, aqua racing, speedboats. I was picturing like, <laughs> I don't know. Like when I grew up, I was a Boy Scout. And we did rain gutter regatta, right? So you'd have these rain gutters and you would get these little sailboats you would make and you'd race them. So I was picturing like that, 
but like racing goldfish in them or something. I don't know if that's a thing, but um, Matt Callie, I see you do a lot with live foods. Yeah, I do. What is your experience with Daphne, if any? Really want to give them a try. I've never been successful at Daphne. Um, I think I could be, but I only tried it a couple times when I was a kid. I was like in junior high um, and I got a like a Pepsi, a 55 gallon like Pepsi syrup barrel and I cut it in half and I put Daphne in and got a couple, but it didn't really work. But it didn't matter because there was a pond on the property that had tons of Daphne in it. So I just went there. Um, if I had the space, I would love to set up. I've got a pond. It's sitting out in my backyard and I've got a 300 gallon water storage tote. Um, if I had the space, I'd love to set up a big Daphne culture in the, in this room and it's not off the table, but yeah, there's other things I need to do first and then see if I still have time, but I've never really, I've never really done it, but I think you should give it a try. Um, there's some great videos on YouTube about it. Mike Helwig wrote a great book about culturing live foods. So if you get a chance, um, it's worth it, man. I bought it and it was totally worth it because anytime I need to set up a new live food culture, I just whip out Michael's book and that's a great resource on top of the YouTube and the other things. But no, I've never done live. Uh, I've done live food. I've never done Daphne much. When I did it, it was years ago and I wasn't very successful. I was intrigued by Corey's uh, video about it, though. If you go in the, in the, as he would say, in the Wayback Machine at Aquarium Co-op, he has um, this video of him harvesting just this huge wad of Daphne from this uh, indoor, basically, pond that he had. And he was feeding them, he was feeding them yeast. So he, he would grind up yeast, blend it up really fine, and dump it in there. And uh, that's how he raised them. So... And uh, he has soft water up there. He was doing it pretty successfully. So yeah, Matt, I hope you do it. And I hope you tell me how it went. Um, and yeah, let, let me know how it goes. I'd be curious about your experience. Courts, courts, on the subject of live food, are there any that can live in the tank with your community? Kind of. Um, scuds, amphipods. Um, I had one of my rainbow fish tanks, I had a culture of amphipods in it and I took a bunch of them out cause I wanted to put the rainbow fish in there and started, uh, like six more cultures and of amphipods. And I had a container full of rocks in there for the amphipods. It's like full of pumice and, um, that way they can, the young can get in there and they can, you know, have a safe place. They, they like to have cracks and crevices to hide in. And so I, I did that and I, I moved them, but I left that in there and then I filled it with rainbow fish. And now every now and then I'll still see amphipods swimming around, you know, a split second before the rainbow fish goes and grabs it. So kind of, uh, black worms, if you have a, a pretty good layer of gravel, you can put black worms in and Every now and then you'll see one. You never get rid of them entirely unless you have like loaches or catfish or something. But the best, I think there's two that would work really well for you. One is like guppies. So every time they drop their fry, um, yeah, 
that's great live food for the fish. I just noticed I shake my head a lot on camera. God, I hope that's not annoying. Like, yeah, sorry guys. Um, Lao, stop me. <laughs> stop me, Lao. <laughs> Lao's my um, my acting coach, so she's telling me how to how to work this. Or he, I, I guess I don't know that for sure. Um, so yeah, live bearing fish would create a lot of live food um, if you had that. And then the other one is like nerite snails when when they, when they spawn, the larva will hatch. They won't develop fully because there's not salt water, but they will hatch and the fish will eat them. So that could work. Um, yeah, those are the ones that pop to mind. Yeah, scuds in the gravel. Yeah, Seymour, absolutely. Um, Seymour, my black worms hide in the sand, but eventually the fish get them. Yeah, I mean, probably. I bet you, though, if you had like a rock in there on top of the sand, I bet you if you move the rock, you'd still find a couple under there. But yeah, they'd probably get them all eventually. Sure, sure. That makes sense. Um, and in sand, maybe they don't. Like in gravel, they can get way down there. And if there's decorations, they can get way under there. With sand, it just might not be as secure a thing because the fish can move the sand a lot easier than they can the gravel. Um, quartz, quartz, thanks for the live food advice. Yeah. I hope it was helpful. I mean, it's not that many I can think of. Amphipods are pretty awesome though. Aquatic hobbyists, the only fish I have that don't get, the only fish I have that don't get to is my shellies. I keep plecos, epistos, wild betta. Oh, cool. Which, which wild bettas? I'm curious. And some random fish in the ROPH is between 5.8 and 6. Point, yeah, yeah. TDS around 70. Oh yeah, that makes total sense. So so you keep the shellies in regular water because they like it hard, but you're keeping the plecos, epistos, wild bettas, some other fish in the low pH. Yeah, with the soft water. TDS around 70. What's the carbonate hardness? Do you know? Um, do you know what the carbonate hardness is? That's what I'm curious about. TDS can mean so many things. Um, let's see your World Pets TV. I might have missed the videos. Well, um, they're at Dan's Fish on the YouTube channel, so you can you can look those up. Or the one I was talking about with the Daphnia, that's on Aquarium Co-op. It's way back, though. <laughs> um, yeah. I like going to Corey's old fans. I, I, was, I was with him before he blew up all big, so now I get bragging rights, I guess. Um, Dubrexy21, G-Day from Australia. First time here, guys. Thumbs up. Well, hey, Dub, thanks for coming. Um, oh, good day. <laughs> I was about to ask you what G-Day was. I was like, I don't know that Australian holiday. <laughs> good day. <laughs> good day to you as well. <laughs> oh, man. Keeping blue rams. Awesome. Um, do you have like really hard water in Australia too? I would, I'm assuming so. I know a lot of rainbow fish like it, like pretty hard water and gudgeons and stuff, but I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Hanger 77, enjoying sitting back and listening. Well, that's good, Hanger. I'm glad you're here. Um, and yeah, we've, we've reached the bottom of the questions in the chat. So <clears throat> it's been an hour and 20 minutes. It's probably about time to end this. Um, if anyone has any additional questions, uh, shoot them out now and I'll get to them before we close up. But I want to thank everyone for being here. 
So this is the first time I've done a live stream with chat. So as some of you know, some of you were here, like Morgan was here early on <laughs> and a couple others. Uh, when I did these test things that went horribly wrong, um, finally figured out how to work that, um, but but didn't know how to bring in the chat. So this is the first one where I feel like it's a real live stream because I'm really interacting with people. So thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I hope you had fun. I did. Um, like I said at the beginning of the live stream, a lot of you missed it. I, I live in a tiny town in Wyoming right now. It's called Sheridan, Wyoming. The population is less than 18,000 and it's considered one of the big cities in Wyoming. That's how rural this state is. Um, and so there's a few fish keepers here and we're good friends and things, but but there's not like a critical mass. And I, I kind of miss my fish community. Like in Southern California, there were there were tons of fish people, tons of clubs and stuff. So thanks for being here so I can chat fish with you guys. I appreciate the interaction. I appreciate the questions. And once this uploads, if anything pops in your mind that you wanted to ask or, or discuss or something, just leave a comment. I'll get to you. And then, um, yeah, remember the gentleman from Olympia, Washington, um, was that Matt? Uh, remind me in the comments when this uploads that I need to hook you up with some, some, some killifish folks and, and I can do that. So, all right. Thanks everybody. Let's see if there's any other questions. Live out of country, Victoria. Yeah. Um, great sharing. Catch you. Thanks for live stream. Greetings from Northern Wisconsin. That's not quite a foreign nation, but you're, you're on weather. You're, you're on weather with me, man. You know what cold is, right? Yeah. <laughs> this was very good. Well, thanks, Rich, Andy. I appreciate that because, uh, it was my first time. I have some experience, uh, educating from my job. I have some experience in showbiz, so hopefully it's at least engaging. And, you know, I am going to improve all this, but it's slowly, but surely I, I, I spent all my money just building the fish room. So, um, you know, I'll gradually get a nice backdrop. I'll gradually get some fancy equipment and we'll, we'll make this a, a better thing. But for now, I'm hoping that the information in the, in the, this talking with ourselves will be enough to keep people interested. So, all right. So I want to thank, before I go, I want to thank Lau for, um, being the posture police. Thanks Lau. And I, I hope you do it next time too. It's a great help because yeah, this isn't as interesting, is it? Yeah. So anyway, thanks guys. I'm going to cut it off now and I hope to see you next time. I don't know when that'll be, but I will eventually be able to set a, a kind of a set schedule. Um, but it was good to know that Monday evening, some people show up. Uh, I didn't think there was anyone else really live streaming Monday evening. So it seems to have worked. Anyway, thanks again. I appreciate you all and I'll catch you.